You're listening to the Miscarriage Doula Podcast. I'm your host, Arden Cartret. This space is meant to be a tool for you to feel less alone and to learn more about how to get through what you've been through and what you're probably going through. We'll hear diverse stories from women and men in the online space, experts, and people just like you and me who are feeling the effects of miscarriage and loss in real time. This is the Miscarriage Doula Podcast. Hey everyone, Arden here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Miscarriage Shula podcast. I wanted to give a quick trigger warning, heads up, that in this episode you will hear a sweet rainbow baby in the background as Leandra is speaking. And I want you to be in the headspace to not only listen to a rainbow baby story, but also to, you know, hear that rainbow baby in the background. So please only listen if you are in a place where you can handle that added element. Enjoy the show. Leandra, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, Just to give backstory to all the people listening, you were on Shelly's Life After Miscarriage podcast where you shared your miscarriage experience. And so because we're kind of passing the torch to the Miscarriage Jewel podcast um, with sharing life after miscarriage, you are here to share an update, but I also want you to share kind of some of your miscarriage experience too. So for anybody listening, this is a great podcast episode to listen to. Spoiler alert there. (laughs) Uh, I I see it. Okay. This is a great episode to listen to if you're looking for a rainbow baby after miscarriage story and kind of a quote unquote success story and and kind of, yeah. So Leandra, I'm going to let you introduce yourself for those who don't know your story. And if you want to give a little background, I think that would be great. Okay. Thanks. So I'm Leandra. Um, my husband and I met in 2011, we got engaged in 2014 and got married in 2016. So we've been married for five years now together, almost, um, 11 years. So we have been together for a long time, obviously, and, um, bought a house and we were ready to start trying pretty much within a year of being married just because we had lived together for so long and that kind of thing. Um, so I had, um, I was on hormonal birth control, um, And, uh, whenever I had my annual appointment with my OB, I, uh, she suggested since I'd been on birth control for so long to, uh, get off of it. If we were wanting to start to try soon, uh, just so that all the hormones could get out of my system. So we were, um, you know, I stopped my birth control and then I didn't get a period for about three months and I called her was diagnosed with PCOS. So, um, you know, that was kind of devastating. My doctor told us that we could use, uh, medication to stimulate ovulation. Okay. Okay. Stop yelling at the cat. And he was laying in bed and I was like, Oh, I'm going to go take a test. And, um, I took it and my exact words, whenever those tubing lines showed up were holy fucking shit. (laughs) And, um, my husband, I could hear him yelling in the bedroom. He was like, no way you're messing with me. Like, there's no way that you're pregnant. And I came out and showed him and it was positive. So, um, you know, of course we called the doctor and based on when my period was, whenever I took Provera, um, should have been like right at seven, eight weeks. So we had an appointment pretty quickly after that and, um, ended up having a 
missed miscarriage. So um, I know I talked about that in my episode um, quite a bit. That was our first one. Um, it was really tough. We were, I was kind of in denial. I like didn't, you know, it was my first pregnancy and I, it just kind of threw me off. They said, there's no heartbeat. There's, you know, your dates don't match up and the ultrasound tech, she was kind of rude about it. Um, my doctor was on vacation, so I had to deal with the nurse practitioner and she was not supportive at all. She came in the room smiling while I'm blowing my eyes out and was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And, uh, it was very terrible. And my husband, even afterward, he was like, okay, I was this close to punching her in the face. I cannot believe she handled it that way. Um, but she, um, you know, just came in the room and was like, these are your options, you know, here you go. And I was like, well, hold on. You know what? Again, I was in denial. I was like, can we do any testing? Like, are you sure that I'm having a miscarriage? Is there any chance it could still be? So anyway, um, looking at my notes here. So, um, they checked a few times and like had a couple ultrasounds and they kind of went back and forth on whether or not they saw a heartbeat. So I don't know if there ever was one. My doctor finally came back from vacation. So, um, finally got to, um, you know, be confident in the diagnosis because she was back and explained it to me better. So I, they gave me the options, you know, let it happen naturally, which of course, at that point, nothing had happened, no bleeding or anything like that. So I decided not to go through that. And then, um, the misoprostol, um, cytotech, whatever you want to call it. And then a DNC. Well, I was terrified of having a DNC. So I went with the misoprostol. It was, um, the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. I would never do it again. And, um, it would, uh, I mean, it was just terrible. I, um, laid on the couch and, but I didn't, she offered me pain medicine and like we, um, you know, got the prescription and everything, but I didn't take anything. Cause like others have mentioned, like, I felt like I needed to experience it, like almost like punish myself for my body, not, you know, keeping this baby. So that was really hard. And it took a while to kind of get over. And, um, I mean, you know, of course you have to wait so long for, you know, my doctor wanted us to wait a cycle, um, which luckily I know some doctors want you to wait like three cycles, which I think is kind of outdated, but, um, luckily she's a little more, I guess, modern. (laughs) And, uh, so she said just one cycle and, you know, of course I'm desperate for a baby. I think like the drive of getting pregnant and having a baby is just that much more amplified after having a miscarriage. And, um, it, it also puts a lot more pressure on you too. Cause you're like, is this going to happen for me? And you know, that kind of thing. But anyway, so we started to, um, use medicated cycles. We tried Clomid started from the bottom. So 50 milligrams, hundred milligrams, and none of those were working. I wasn't getting good follicles. So we, um, moved it up to 150 milligrams of Clomid, which is the highest that my doctor prescribes. And luckily that worked. And the first cycle using that one, we got pregnant with my son who has been in the background this whole time. Um, (laughs) he is now three and he is a mama's boy and a little shit. (laughs) And he's starting to repeat that now. So I have to be careful, but, um, anyway, so um, his, that pregnancy was amazing. There were no issues. 
I mean, I had a little bit of nausea, no morning sickness, like even at 37 weeks, I, you know, everybody was like, are you going to try to induce labor? And I was like, mm, no, he's okay. He's fine. <laughs> I wasn't super uncomfortable or anything. Um, you know, he was just perfect and labor was perfect. I had an epidural um, at six centimeters. And um, I mean, my husband and I were joking the whole time I was pushing, like I felt absolutely nothing. It was amazing. So <laughs> it was the perfect birth experience. So it was definitely not what my husband was expecting. He was like, I was waiting for you to start yelling at me. You did this to me, you know, that kind of thing. But it was definitely not like that. It was amazing. So in 2020, before COVID happened, you know, we all love COVID so much. But um, before COVID happened, we decided that we wanted to try to get pregnant again. I had always been, my older sister and I are just a little over two years apart. So um, you know, we wanted, I wanted to, and we had always been so close. So I wanted to have siblings that were close in age. Um, so we wanted to try in the beginning of 2020 and I'd been having regular periods. So I thought, oh, you know, my body's getting back on track after having, you know, my son and maybe now it knows what it's doing. And maybe that just, you know, changed my biology a little bit. So I got my, I did get an IUI or an IUD um, after I had my son, which was the Paragard. And I loved that. I didn't have any issues with it. I know some people have said that they had, um, unless some of this has resulted from that, but <laughs> I guess I'll never know. But um, I really liked it. Um, got pregnant that very first cycle after it was out. And, you know, we thought, well, heck yeah, this is awesome. You know, like things are looking up. Maybe that miscarriage was just a one-off and we're going to be good now. So, uh, we went in for our appointment in June of 2020 and luckily our hospital was allowing one support person. So my husband was able to go with me and I wasn't, I mean, I was kind of nervous, but not like super nervous because I had my son and, you know, I thought, well, I've been having regular periods and everything's been fine and, um, ended up having another missed miscarriage. So they, whenever they did the ultrasound and pulled out Wanda, they uh, said that there was a heartbeat, but the size wasn't matching with my dates. And I knew that my dates were right, but you know, they were like, well, there is a heartbeat. Like, let's see what happens. You know, maybe your dates are off. And I was like, I know my dates are not off, but you know, they, they can't confirm that. So, um, you know, they said, we'll just wait another week and we'll just see what it looks like. Uh, we ended up going to Gatlinburg that next week on vacation with my family. So I had to wait till we got back, which was frustrating, but, um, we got back and, uh, went to a doctor's appointment. And of course, uh, the heart had stopped. Um, it had died like the Friday that we were on our way to Gatlinburg, which is really weird thinking about. Um, I don't know. I know some people say that they like know when their baby died, but i I don't know. I mean, I of course suspected it, but because, you know, I knew my dates were right, but it was just still shocking. I don't know. It shouldn't have been, but, um, but anyway, luckily my doctor was there. She wasn't on vacation, didn't have to deal with anybody else. And she is the best. She came in and like held my hand and she was like, you know, we're going to get you pregnant again. Um, you know, let's focus on this now. Let's do what you need to do now. And then we'll go from there. So I ended up opting for the DNC because the medication was terrible. And she said, honestly, that's probably what I would suggest to you. And luckily my husband's an EMT for the um, county service, one of the county services around here. So his insurance is amazing. So that's one thing that we didn't have to take into consideration was cost. 
Um, so we are, I know, especially after hearing several stories, we're especially fortunate for that. So um, that helps a lot with our decision. You know, if we had poor insurance or, you know, bad insurance or something, that probably would have made a difference in our decision because I'm a type ass, but <laughs> I'm kind of a cheapskate. That's okay. Um, so we did the DNC that happened on June 24th of 2020, and that sucked. We weren't able, Kyle wasn't able to be with me, my husband. Um, he went in with me to get checked in, and of course, I'm bawling my eyes out the whole time. And um, he wasn't allowed to be with me before the surgery or anything. He just was basically there to drop me off and pick me up. And luckily, the nurse that I had, she was amazing. She, um, you know, was explaining the procedure to me and stuff. And we went to the bathroom so that I could wipe down, you know, with those, um, I don't remember what they're called, but um, anyway, um, to sterilize your skin and stuff like that. And I just started bawling and she gave me a big hug. She like closed the door and came in and gave me a big hug. And she was like, I am so sorry that you're having to go through this, especially right now when your husband can't be here with you. And she stayed with me pretty much the whole time. There was maybe 20 minutes that I was by myself. So um, that was really nice. And she had had several miscarriages herself. So she talked about those two, which, you know, we kind of bonded and um, made the experience a little easier. I mean, of course it's never easy, but it definitely helped. Um, so after we had, or after I had the DNC, um, you know, I had to follow up with my doctor and she offered to do a workup. So she said, normally, you know, most doctors do this whenever you have three consecutive miscarriages, but um, she said, I know that you're, you've only had two and they're not consecutive, but I'm willing to do a workup if you want to. Um, so I think that was amazing. She has also had a miscarriage herself. So I think um, that makes her a little more sensitive and empathetic for people, um, which is why she's great at what she does. She gets, she's nominated for a couple awards and stuff. She's amazing. But, um, but she said that if we did a workup, we wouldn't be able to do a medicated cycle with it. So, you know, we had to like go through the blood tests and all that, and then start the next cycle. Well, of course I'm impatient. <laughs> and like I said, once you have a miscarriage, it's just that much stronger urge to get pregnant again. So I thought, well, you know, maybe again, maybe we just can't, we're not supposed to get pregnant on our own. Maybe we need medicated cycles to get pregnant. So, um, you know, we did more Clomid. We did the exact same thing that we did with my, to get pregnant with my son. And um, I was producing follicles, but it just wasn't working. Like we did, uh, we ended up implementing a trigger shot. So we didn't do that with my first, um, but that was something new that we did with my second or second um, chance to get pregnant. And um, it still wasn't working a couple months later, still nothing. So she ended up ordering um, some blood tests for me and she ordered a sperm analysis for him. So that went to our local um, fertility clinic that was in the hospital. They're actually like literally right across the hall from my doctor's office. And um, so they did that and my blood work was fine. Everything seemed okay. Um, they did a sperm analysis on him and his morphology was low. So um, for anybody who doesn't know, that means the sperm are misshapen and can't um, basically swim to the egg very well. Um, so there aren't a lot of mobile sperm, I guess you could say. Um, so we uh, were referred to them for um, like official patient care. And this was in November, December, and they did not have any openings until January, which was frustrating. 
And at the time, so a couple of weeks after I had my miscarriage, one of my best friends texted me and told me that she was pregnant and her due date was literally a few days from mine. And that was really hard. Um, you know, I waited a little bit to text her back because I immediately started bawling my eyes out and I was like, you know, <laughs> it just wasn't fair, but of course I was so happy for her. And, you know, she, um, talked me through, you know, my first miscarriage and stuff like that. So, uh, we've always been really close, but, um, you know, and I would never wish anything on her, especially, you know, any, I mean, anyone really, um, but especially someone that I cared about. So I was really happy for her, but I was still sad and jealous and, you know, all the feelings, <laughs> just every single one of them. So, um, but she was, she was great throughout her pregnancy. She didn't really, she only gave me updates and stuff. Like if I asked, um, so, you know, I think she was definitely very thoughtful and, um, considerate, you know, of my situation, especially knowing that we would have been so close. Um, cause whenever I texted her and told her I had another miscarriage, she was like, Oh my God, I didn't even know you were pregnant. And, um, you know, so I think that put her in an awkward position too. Cause I think she was like, Oh my God, like, how am I going to tell her, <laughs> you know? So, um, but anyway, so she had a couple baby showers. She had one for one side of her family, another for another side. One was in November. And I thought, I'm going to go to that one. Like I'll be pregnant by then. And it won't hurt as bad as long as I'm pregnant. You know, that was my thought. And of course it didn't happen. I wasn't pregnant. And so it was terrible. And then one of her other friends was pregnant there too. And I was like, oh my gosh, this sucks. <laughs> um, but we made it through it. And I mean, it was fun, but I cried afterward, you know. Um, I ended up not going to the second one because, you know, I, I just was like, you know, I've, I've done one and I think that's my limit. And she was completely understanding, which was great. Um, but it took us a while. So then in December, we tried Femara. Um, we did two and a half milligrams, which is the lowest dose that my doctor prescribes. I'm not sure if that's everybody, but um, we tried that thinking, well, maybe, you know, Clomid. Um, you know, if you try, if you're on Clomid for too long, then it thins out your uterine lining and stuff like that. So um, we tried Femara and um, didn't work, didn't have any good follicles. So they said, you know, make sure you keep your appointment with the fertility clinic. And, um, you know, if you want us to do anything, you know, let us know, but they're going to be the experts. Um, they had already done some of the testing and stuff so that they were like, you know, we've kind of done the grunt work for them. So they're probably going to do additional testing, but it shouldn't take as long to get you treatment for, um, for your situation. So, um, we went to uh, that appointment, which was a um, virtual appointment. I guess they're doing all consultations that way. Um, but I had, I ended up getting COVID on Christmas, tested positive on Christmas or on New Year's Eve. And oh no, my dogs are getting in the way. Get down. Um, tested positive on, on New Year's Eve. And uh, luckily that didn't interfere with our appointment, but I was like, of course, like, of course we're going through all this. And then I get COVID and it was just stupid. Luckily I didn't have any crazy symptoms or anything, but you know, stuck in the house with all your feelings is not good. <laughs> um, so they did some more testing and they decided that the best option was to uh, do an IUI cycle. So um, they started me on five milligrams of Femara. And one thing with this clinic um, our insurances did not cover any fertility treatments. They will cover anything that 
involves testing or diagnosis, but that's it, no fertility treatment. So for an IUI cycle at this particular doctor, it was $1,400. They wanted us to pay it day one when I started my treatment. I was like, there's not like a payment option. Like we can't, you know, pay half of it now, half of it, like at the end of the cycle or, you know, something like that, something to break it up a little bit. And they're like, no, you gotta get, you just gotta pay it. So, I mean, luckily we're in a position where we could, and we did, um, but it was a big chunk of change. And, you know, I was frustrated because um, they didn't tell us the price beforehand, you know, um, so it was kind of a shock. And um, so well, they did a, a couple more tests. They found that one of, um, I don't remember the name of the test, but it checks for like blood clotting and stuff. They said the normal range was one to 10. Um, I was at an 11. So they were like, you know, you can take baby aspirin. It might help. Um, you know, don't know if it'll do anything, but it's not going to hurt you. So I started taking that. Um, and then uh, I went in for my ultrasound to check my follicles and all that stuff. And they, um, they do all of their ultrasounds in the morning and then the doctor reviews them and then calls you in the afternoon. So my husband had to work two days from that ultrasound. And I told them that at my ultrasound and, um, so they called me and this is so frustrating. They said, um, okay, well, doctor, you know, so-and-so wants you to take your trigger shot now. And this was like at 1245, one o'clock and I was at work and I was like, well, my trigger shots at home. Like, I didn't know I was supposed to bring it with me. I was like, I, I can't take it right now. I'm at work. And they were like, well, you need to take it as soon as possible because we have your IUI scheduled for tomorrow at 10 AM. And I was like, what, what do you mean you have it scheduled? Like, I mean, luckily I'm in a position where I can leave work and stuff, but I'm like, I mean, you're not going to consult me and ask me like what time works for me, what day works for me. Like, that's kind of a big deal. And, um, so I was kind of frustrated with that. And, and then the more I read about like trigger shots and all that stuff, I was like, oh my God, like they did this IUI way too soon before, like after I had my trigger shot finally, cause I rushed home at three o'clock, which was a couple hours later. And, um, and I had to inject it myself, which I've never had to do before, which was kind of scary. <laughs> um, so, um, I mean, it, it didn't work. It failed. And again, I was like, after reading more about it, I'm kind of pissed because I paid $1,400 and I feel like the timing wasn't right. And I feel like it was rushed, you know, so I'm, I was not very happy with that. And it just seemed like everything, any appointments and stuff like that, they just throw on their calendar and they just tell you when it's going to be, you know, they don't call you to say, Hey, when is, when's a good time for you? And blah, blah, blah. It just, I didn't appreciate that. And again, I, I think that it failed because of that poor planning that they had, but that's just my personal opinion. You know, I'm not a medical professional, but whatever. Um, so he had mentioned that since it failed, that they were going to try seven milligrams of Fumara the next time, because I was on five and, um, you know, after it failed, my husband and I were like, okay, if we do this again, it's another $1,400. Let's just take a break. We've been trying, you know, since basically July, August, nothing has been happening. Um, and it, it really sucks. They had scheduled my IUI on the adjusted due date for my last miscarriage. So I thought it was a sign. I was like, oh my God, like, you know, we're going to get our rainbow baby. And whenever it failed, I think that was just another stab at me. You know, I mean, it, I was 
like really hopeful that it was going to work out. And of course it didn't. So um, we decided to take a break and I had gone to my primary care physician for something completely unrelated um, in that month. And um, we were just kind of talking because of course, whenever you're going through fertility, like I don't, some people may not be, but I'm an open book. I know you've talked about that already where you just like give more information than people probably want to hear, but, um, <laughs> but I just always talk about it to people and um, will you stop Go on? And then, um, so we were talking about it and she said, well, you know, you've got PCOS. Have you uh, thought about taking metformin for it? And I was like, well, you know, I've, I've kind of done some research on it, but you know, not really. And um, I was like, you know, my sugar has been fine. Um, you know, I have, my doctor said it's lean PCOS. Um, so I don't think she was that worried about it, but um, anyway, so I asked my OB about it and she was fine. She's like, sure, you know, it, we'll put you on a low dose and we'll just see what happens. It may regulate your cycles. It may not. And, you know, follow up with us here in a couple months and see how it's doing. And, and if we want to continue, then we can. So, um, so at that point I was taking baby aspirin and the metformin. And in, um, April, we decided that we wanted to try again, but we wanted to go back to my doctor. I told my husband, uh, one thing that they suggested for him was to take some supplements on Amazon. They were, um, oh gosh, what is the name of them? If I wasn't trying to think of it, I would know it. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so he had been taking those and I thought, you know, maybe that's enough to increase, you know, improve your sperm and stuff. So we'll try with our, you know, our doctor, cause not only does insurance pay for those appointments since, you know, my doctor labels, it as like ovarian dysfunction, you know, stuff like that. So my doctor, so my, our insurance pays for those, but, um, you know, just liked her office better. Of course, love her. She's amazing. Um, so anyway, we decided to go back and, um, she said, okay, well, we're going to, since the 2.5 milligrams of Femar didn't work for you, we'll try five. And I said, well, um, you know, Dr. So-and-so said that we would do seven next time. Like, is that what we should do? And she goes, mm, no, I'm not comfortable with that. Let's do five. And so I was kind of disappointed. I was like, well, that's what he was going to do, you know, <laughs> but um, anyway, so we checked my follicles and I had um, a 20 millimeter um, and then two 15 millimeters. So they were, one was, you know, perfect size and two were kind of small. Um, at first she thought they were two big ones, but she was like, no, I think there's just two small ones here. So my lining looked good. Um, they said everything looked perfect. So, um, they gave me my trigger shot and then we did, you know, timed intercourse. Um, after listening to the progesterone podcast that where you had, um, prove on there, I decided that I wanted to do that because I'm psycho and like anything that I can control or, you know, have any input on, you know, I definitely want to. So, um, I did not take a baseline test, which I probably should have. And, um, so whenever I was doing the proof tests, the results were showing that, you know, I hadn't ovulated well, that my progesterone was low. So I asked my OB to check my progesterone. And of course she's like, whatever, that's fine. So we did, and it was good. It was 16.5. So, um, she was pretty confident in that. She's like, I think you're going to be okay. Um, I ended up testing out our trigger shot just, I'd never done that before. And I was just, I mean, I bought some cheap, uh, tests on Amazon, you know, those strips, the pregnant ones. And, um, I was like, eh, I have all these tests, like, why not? Let's do it. So, um, you know, we, I think it was like 11 days past the trigger. I started noticing it was getting darker 
And so I got a little excited, but I was also like, well, you know, let's try to calibrate here and <laughs> not get too excited. Um, we did tell um, my parents and my in-laws pretty quickly just because they knew that we'd been struggling and stuff. So, um, you know, and I told my best friends and I um, was okay with that. I was comfortable with that because if anything did happen, you know, I wanted to make sure that they knew and, you know, I could have them as support. Um, so we, um, you know, I called them and told them that, um, you know, I had a positive test. So they ended up scheduling me at seven weeks instead of eight weeks, just because I'd had, you know, previous miscarriages and stuff. So they, my doctor wanted me to feel comfortable about it. Um, so the weekend that um, I had just passed like a six week mark, um, my husband and I had intercourse and I had a very sharp pain in my um, abdomen. And of course I was freaking out. So it hurt pretty bad, but I was like, you know what? It's probably nothing. Like I'll go to sleep. And, um, so went to bed and then the next day, like it was better, but it was still there. And my husband had to go to work. Um, I was home with my son and I was like, you know what? I'm freaking out about this. I need some peace of mind. Like I need, I need to be checked out right now. So I went to the ER and whenever I get there, of course, there's someone there to screen for COVID. And I'm like, this is the last thing I want to freaking think about right now. Like I'm in pain and, um, and it wasn't terrible pain, but it was just enough to, you know, make me worried. But I was just like, I don't like, I've had COVID. I don't care. Like, can we get through this? But um, anyway, so they're screening me and they're like, are you here for a visit? Are you here for, you know, whatever. And I'm, and I just started crying. I was like, I'm here because I have pain in my side and I'm pregnant. And, you know, I told him my whole story. And so he's just like, oh my God. <laughs> Um, so he's like, okay, well go sit over there. And, you know, the receptionist will be with you in a minute. So, um, I go in her office and again, I start crying and, you know, my son is running around, you know, like he was doing earlier in this recording, <laughs> just being obnoxious. But, um, so she, you know, gets me back there pretty quickly. Um, you know, they asked me what's going on. They said, well, have you had any bleeding, that kind of thing? And I hadn't had any bleeding. Um, but I told him, I said, you know, I'm just, I'm very concerned. I've had two miscarriages and, um, I just want to know what's going on. Like, I just want to make sure it's okay. So the nurses, they were great. One of them like stayed with my son the whole time. Cause, um, I had to get a hold of someone to come get him. They, you know, cause they can't refuse treatment, but their protocols at the time, they didn't allow children in there. So, um, you know, at least as a support person. So I had to call, you know, all of my parents and my in-laws and everybody. Um, because my husband, I told him by the time they got someone to cover him to come in, they'd probably be done. So, um, try to get somebody closer. And, uh, my dad ended up coming and taking care of him. Um, but the nurses were, you know, like drawing with him and all that kind of stuff while I was sitting on the bed, freaking out and, <laughs> um, kept in occupied until my dad got there. But anyway, so, um, you know, they did an ultrasound and, um, so she was doing the transvaginal ultrasound and she said, okay, I'm going to check for a heartbeat first. She said, cause you know, I, I want to make sure that we give you a little bit of peace of mind. She said, and then we'll move to the ovaries and stuff, and then we'll come back. Um, so she went in there and checked and there was a heartbeat. Um, and then she was like, okay, so that makes me feel better. She said, we'll check everything else and then we'll go from there. And she adjusted and then she went back and she goes, um, do you see what I see? And I looked at the screen and I was like, oh my God, there's two. <laughs> so there were two babies in there. Both had great heartbeats, both were measuring right on time. Um, so she, you know, continued with the ultrasound 
Turns out I had a ruptured cyst and I had like 33 milliliters of free fluid in my ovary. And she's like, that's probably what's causing your pain. I was like, yeah, I would say so. So um, the nurse, whenever I got back from my ultrasound, um, she came in my room and she gave me a big hug. She was like, see, you were worried so much, but she goes, you know, now you've got the best news. And I was like, you're right. Like I'm in shock right now. <laughs> um, but she was so excited for me. She came in the room, like screaming. She's like, oh my gosh, you know? And, um, and I was like, well, uh, whenever I went in there and they took my blood pressure it was a little high. And I was like, well, she was like, I'm going to take this later. Cause I think you're just really anxious right now. And I asked her afterward, I was like, so you want to try my blood pressure again? She goes, no, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. Um, so they gave me a course a picture and it said, you know, um, twins or, you know, whatever. And, um, my husband had texted me and he's like, okay, so is everything okay? Like what's going on? And I'm like, I cannot text him this. <laughs> so whenever I got discharged, I uh, drove up to see him at work and, um, I just stepped out and I showed him the picture and his first word was fuck. <laughs> And, um, he was definitely not expecting, like neither of us were expecting twins. Although my, um, I had gotten my HCG, HCG drawn several times and my numbers were really high. Um, but I've also read that like that could be completely normal for a singleton. So, um, one of my best friends when I was telling her about it, she kept joking. She's like, Oh my God, what if there's two in there? And I just brushed it off. I was like, whatever, there's not two in here. <laughs> there's no way. So, um, anyway, uh, we were really excited about that. We ended up announcing, um, on social media and like to everybody at like nine weeks, because I told him, um, you know, I don't want to wait for 12 weeks. I've been pretty open about my miscarriages and, um, our fertility struggles and stuff like that. So I felt comfortable doing that because I thought, you know, if, if something does happen, I also want to show that side too. Like if, you know, I want to, I want to stop the stigma, at least with us. Um, you know, I know some people aren't comfortable with that and that's fine, but I, have talked to a lot of people that have dealt with miscarriage and infertility and a lot of my friends. Um, so I feel almost like I have to do it for them, you know, but, um, but anyway, so we did. And of course everybody was excited. They're like, Oh my God, twins. Um, and they're due on two, two, 22, which is crazy, which again is the adjusted due date from my previous miscarriage, you know, That's February so 2nd. Crazy. I know. Right. <laughs> So, um, they're obviously going to be born before that we have a, um, well, I'll get to that here in a second, but anyway, so, um, you know, the pregnancy has been okay. We, um, did the NIPT test and we did the only one that was like, I guess, um, appropriate for twins or whatever. Cause some of them like don't test for the differences in DNA or whatever. I, I don't know all the technical stuff, but um, specifically did it for peace of mind. Cause I thought, okay, like, I feel like they're fine, but I want to make sure, and we don't know the genders and we're going to find out whenever they're born. So I, oh, wow. not. I know, right. <laughs> <laughs> and we just like, I don't know how I'm that calm about it <laughs> because I'm normally not that person, but I mean, for whatever reason, I'm totally fine with waiting, but anyway, um, so we did that and it took, a while to get back to us. Like the results took a while. So I was like, Oh God, like what is going to be on these results? And so I got a notification that they were given to my doctor. And of course I can't see them until my doctor like releases them for me to see. So, um, they, um, took a couple of days to get back with me. So I was like calling and cause usually my doctor is pretty good about 
you know, reviewing and getting back with you. It was like three days later and I was like freaking out. I was calling them every day. <laughs> I was like, please tell me what is going on with these results. So my doctor called me herself and she was like, okay, I don't want you to freak out. And I was like, oh God, I'm already freaking out now. Um, she said the results that we got back were atypical. And I said, okay, what the heck does that mean? She goes, well, she said, it's taken me so long to call you because I didn't know what that meant. I had never seen that before. She said, so I am trying to call the genetic counselor at the testing facility, as well as the genetic counselor at our um, maternal fetal medicine office in the hospital. And um, she said, I'm going to try to explain this, but <laughs> she's like, I don't know how much of it you're going to get. And to be honest, I, I vaguely remember her trying to explain it, but I, I don't know. I don't know how much I actually grasped of it. It was something about how, cause my first thought was, okay, it's atypical. That means it tested for, um, you know, those three trisomy defects. And, um, that means it's a different one, you know, that it doesn't test for. And she said, no, that's not the case because they, I have seen results where it comes back and says, you know, it's, it's negative for these, but you know, there is concern for these. And I thought, okay, well, that makes me feel a little bit better. And she kept telling me, she was like, I know you're going to freak out, but don't freak out. She said, don't Google it. Don't do it. <laughs> so of course I Google it. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, what the heck is going on? So most, and honestly, most of what I found was saying that things were fine. Um, you know, they didn't have a lot of, there weren't a lot of stories like horror stories that, you know, things were terrible. So, um, you know, and I talked to my mom about it and she asked what it tested for. And I told her, and she goes, so if your baby has down syndrome, like, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, mom, I'm not even worried about that one. I'm worried about the two that aren't compatible with life. <laughs> like I can't go through another miscarriage. And, um, and I told her, I said, plus if, you know, if they are, um, you know, going to have down syndrome or something, I just want to know that way I'm prepared. Cause I feel like that's a totally different lifestyle, totally different, um, I mean, life, you know, to, to have that. So not only having two babies, but even if one of them, you know, has a special needs, like that's going to be a life changer. So I just want to be prepared. I just want to have resources and do research and, you know, figure out what I need to do to be, be prepared. But anyway, um, so, um, they referred me to the maternal fetal medicine office and they did some more testing. They did a scan. Um, the scan was fine. They wanted to bring me back to do another one because they weren't as developed, like it was at, um, 17 weeks, I think that or 16 or 17 weeks that they did the first scan. And they said they wanted to wait till it was like closer to 18 to 20 to really see more things. So, um, but they said that everything looked okay. So not to freak out. And the genetic counselor met with us and kind of explained it in further detail, which I could try to explain it, but it's not, it's not gonna make any sense. <laughs> Especially if we have any medical professionals out there, they're going to be like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> Um, so anyway, um, everything was fine. And so I tried not to freak out. So we went back for our anatomy scan and, um, they only found one bright spot on baby B's heart. So they did another blood test and everything came back normal. So everything was fine. So I thought, you know, my doctor was like, okay, we're finally in the clear. She was like, you know, you have had a rough time with all of this, you know, from having miscarriages to having issues getting pregnant and all that stuff. She's like, hopefully like this is past us. And we can just enjoy the pregnancy. She looked at me and she was like, enjoy the pregnancy. <laughs> Stop freaking out. So, um, you know, everything was fine. And then we went in for a growth, um, uh, ultrasound at the beginning of the third trimester. So this was just a couple weeks ago. 
and they found separation in the membranes between the two babies. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. So she was, she came in the office and she was like, I cannot believe I'm saying this. She said, it still may be fine. She said, but we're going to send you back upstairs to the maternal fetal medicine. Um, she said, because we found separation in membranes. She said, it may be nothing or it may be something. She said, I want to make sure that, you know, they um, have more detailed ultrasounds and stuff like that. So I want to make sure that they're able to monitor it. Um, so, you know, we had an appointment scheduled the next week or two. I can't remember. Um, so that day of that appointment, I took my son to daycare and he goes to an in-home daycare and she has a split level house. Well, he's been a huge mama's boy ever since he was born. So I have to carry him down the stairs. I fell down the stairs carrying him. <laughs> Luckily I didn't land on my belly, but, um, you know, I, and I didn't drop him. I was pretty proud of that. <laughs> um, but you know, I fell down and of course he's bawling his eyes out cause it scared him half to death. And, um, he hit his back on like the baby gate down there. And so he was freaking out, but he ended up being fine. They texted me later and said that he was telling his little girlfriend to rub his butt cause he had a boo-boo. So I was like, oh yeah, he's fine. He's perfectly fine. So <laughs> I called my husband, um, on my way to work and he said, well, she's already called me and told me to tell you like, you need to go to the ER. <laughs> he said, and I think you do too. And I was like, well, I didn't land on my belly. Like I, you know, I just, I try not to be that annoying patient. Um, but you know, this was probably a time where I needed to be. And so I turned around and I was like, okay, fine. I'll go to the ER. So I went to the ER and, um, they ended up doing the same scan that they were going to do for my growth ultrasound and all that. So they said that everything looked fine. Um, the separation seemed pretty consistent. It hadn't gotten worse or anything like that. So they weren't worried about that. Um, so they wanted to see me back in four weeks and we actually just had that scan, um, yesterday and everything was fine. Um, they couldn't even find the separation. Um, she said she thought she saw it, but they're so cramped in here right now. Like, I don't know how I'm going to make it six more weeks. Cause they're like, they have no room. Like even in the ultrasound, you can see they're squished. Um, so, um, she said she couldn't really see it, but you know, the babies just might be in the way, but they said, um, every, like the babies checked out fine. They did have an increase in their discordance. Um, baby a, is four pounds exactly baby B is four pounds and 13 ounces. So it was like a 16% discordance, um, which they're not worried about until it's after or more than 20%, but they had been closer to like eight and 10%. So with that increase, they're like, you know, we're going to keep an eye on it just to make sure that they're okay, which luckily they're die die twins. So they have separate sacs, separate placentas. So that's the best kind of twins you can have, or I guess the safest twins that you can have. Um, <laughs> so uh, they're not, terribly worried about it, but it's something they want to watch out for. So, um, they, they're both breech. Uh, a has been breached pretty much the whole time. B was head down, but then went breech in the past month. So I don't see them being able to turn around. There's not much room. And my doctor just kind of laughs about it. She's like, they just don't want to, they don't want to cooperate. I'm like, yeah, they're already following in their brother's footsteps. I don't know. So, um, we have a C-section scheduled for January 19th and that scares the shit out of me. I'm terrified of having a C-section. Um, I know women do it every day, um, with every pregnancy even sometimes, but it just freaks me out. So, um, we'll see how all that goes. I'm going to try all of the superstitions to get them to turn <laughs> and hope for the best, but, uh, we'll see.
but yeah, so that's kind of where we're at now. And, um, I mean, it's still hard, you know, like whenever the anniversaries come up of both of those miscarriages, you know, October 26th was whenever I lost my first one in, um, 2017 and then, uh, June 24th of 2020, you know, those are always hard. Um, luckily with my second miscarriage, since I had a DNC, the hospital does, um, like a communal cremation burial thing at one of the local, um, cemeteries. So luckily I'm able to go out there and kind of, you know, I don't know, I guess spend time with my baby. (laughs) I don't know. Um, so that's nice. Um, but it's, it's still hard. And even, even though I'm pregnant, if I see people that like post on Facebook that they're pregnant and I know either like they haven't had any issues or they just get pregnant so easily, or, you know, I know kind of a little bit about their lifestyle and they're just not the, the greatest, you know what I mean? Like, I hate to be that way, but, um, it still upsets me and it still, you know, makes me angry and jealous, even though, you know, I'm pregnant with twins, you know, I'm going to have three babies here soon, but it just bothers me. Now, if it's someone that I know has been struggling, like no, um, resentment or anything like that, like I'm just full fledged happy for them. But if it's anyone else, I'm just like, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's, I think that's totally, um, valid after what you've gone through. I know I struggle with that because I have one ovary that doesn't produce anything and Mm -hmm. one ovary that like produces, but like, uh, it's not as great as it could be. And so I'm looking at people like, oh, it must be nice to have two working ovaries. And (laughs) you you can't help but think that, or, or whenever you do use medication, um, I know my husband and I, we always get into kind of a little tiff because whenever I have announced my, um, earth side pregnancies, I've always said like, I'm thankful to science and so mm-hmm. glad, you know, I, I always mentioned that it was not just us that made this baby. And he right. is like, no, we need to take credit for that. And I'm like, but we couldn't have done it without yeah. all of this help, you know? And, exactly. and so it's, that's where my mind goes. Like, I know if I see somebody announce and they mention that they were at a fertility clinic or seeing a doctor, like <laughs> yeah. I feel better. And that makes yeah. me feel horrible, but it's yes. the reality. You don't want people to go through that, but it also no. like, makes you feel better personally. Cause you're not the only one. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, totally. we're all in this community. Okay. I see it. Why are your feet dirty? Oh my God. You went out. Stop it. Oh, well, Leandra, that is the best update episode that you're having twins. That's amazing. We're so happy for you. Definitely was not expecting that. (laughs) And I think it's starting to set in a lot more now, um, now that it's getting closer and of course they're both moving great and all that. And like, I can feel their heads and stuff. It's just, it's crazy. And I think, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with a toddler and two newborns at the same time? But I'm excited. I'm scared and terrified, but excited. Yeah. The excitement overweighs. Oh yeah. I'm terrified. I hope for sure. Yeah. And then the C-section is just a whole nother fear on its own. (laughs) I'm there with you. I'm, I'm terrified of uh, C-sections with my son's pregnancy. I know that that was like a big, like, well, if they even mention the word C-section, I'm like freaked out. Um, Yes. But, you know, like you said, I, I kind of reminded myself that with even a vaginal birth, like people go through this, people go through this and all types of situations and outcomes. Yeah. And like, we can do this, you know, yes. it's here to help us. 
Yeah. And also another crazy thing. So I, whenever I got pregnant, you know, I started the what to expect app and all that. And um, there was a, on a discussion board, there was a discussion about um, due date, February, February 2nd, um, you know, uh, letrozole, which is another word for Famara um, and trigger shot. And I was like, oh my God, like that's me. And so we, uh, this girl and I had been talking back and forth and we're like, oh, that's, this is great. Like we're the same due date and we did the same treatment and all that stuff. And then we went in for our scans and um, she had done like for, you know, fertility treatment. So they were seeing her sooner and she found out that she was pregnant with twins. Crazy. And then I found out I was pregnant with twins and we were like, what are the freaking odds of this? So we've been kind like of a like, parallel universe. It really is. So <laughs> we've been chatting back and forth, you know, on Instagram and stuff and like keeping each other updated. And it's so funny. We have like the most candid conversations ever because, you know, we're yeah. both in it. And <laughs> like the other day I was like, are you having issues wiping <laughs> like, <laughs> the bathroom? She was like, oh my God, yes. I, I always say that I've met some of my closest friends through the loss community. Like yeah. my internet friends are like way closer than people I meet in real life and like right. can touch. And, and I think it's such a powerful uh, way to meet people. Oh yeah, for sure. It's like everybody says, it's the community you don't want to belong to, but it, no. it's the best community with you're here you better make you like you have to make the best of it exactly exactly yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right Leandra thank you so much for sharing your story with us please keep us updated on how your birth goes and how life is with a toddler (laughs) and two newborns um yeah we wish you all the best thank you it'll be interesting but it's, it's so good we're so thankful and grateful It's Arden again. I wanted to close out this podcast episode with providing an update. Leandra welcomed her twins. They came a little early on January 2nd. They were both born actually on the 3rd. And so the time difference between the twins' birth was 3.23 p.m. and 3.41 p.m. Baby B flipped during delivery and reached a breech extraction with one night in the NICU, but everybody's home now enjoying the baby snuggles and they are just enjoying being a family of five. How exciting is that? If you want to continue following Leandra's journey and see cute pictures of her sweet twins, I will put a link to her Instagram in the description of this podcast episode. Leandra, we wish you all the best. Thank you for sharing your story.